Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again on, uh, I think, episode, what did you say, Chad? 62. 62 of the grind so yeah. uh, dave mcclung with me is the the lovely chad grigsby yeah dave the, the grind is officially geriatric it is 62 it's, we're close to retirement yeah as many uh, people have been hoping for for a while <laughs> anticipating yeah the grind is officially in the land of depends and geritol <laughs> Yeah, so I'm sure all of you wanted to have that depends and Geritol conversation this morning, and uh, so uh, if not, uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, that's right. So, hey, we are excited to uh, have our buddy Brad Briscoe back on with us. Brad, say hey. Hey, Dave and Chad, good to be back on the grind with you guys. Yeah, so Brad was episode number two, and now he's episode number sixty-two. So we got a whole deuce thing going there with uh, with so brad come back with uh, what 102 maybe 102 maybe yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if we keep the 60 thing maybe 122 oh, there you go uh, of course we'll probably be dead by then so yeah uh, we won't make it yeah if we're geriatric now that's uh, i don't think anybody lives to be 122 anymore do they so even the podcast <laughs> So you'll have to forgive us. Chad and I are both a little uh, under the weather with our sinuses. And so uh, we'll try our best not to uh, annoy you with our sniffing. And, uh, but uh, uh, Chad is coming off a legitimate sickness. I have made myself sick by not resting this week. So uh, it's one of those good, good times. So we're, we're excited to have Brad on uh, really to kind of hone in on and talk about uh, the, the idea of co-vocational church planting and the nuances and differences between that and bivocational church planting. It's a very different conversation. And so we're going to unpack that. And as you know, most of our, I'd say vast majority of our planters now are uh, some kind of bi, co, or tri, or quad vocation (laughs) planters. Uh, This has become a very poignant and and timely, serious conversation uh, for those who are planting and those who are looking to plant. And so nobody better to bring on than Brad to kind of help us think through that. So, so Brad, you've been with North American Mission Board now for a year and a half about thereabouts to, to really tackle this issue of co-vocational church planting. Kind of talk about that journey and what you've seen, what you're hearing, some of the, you know, just the ins and outs of Bivo versus Covo language and uh, just kind of frame that conversation a little bit. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, of course, I mean, Dave, you and Chad know that for many years I was a church planting catalyst here in Kansas City. And then, uh, yeah, about a year and a half ago, actually, I guess now just thinking about it, it's been almost two years. I took a new role at NAM. We're just calling National Director of Bivocational Church Planning. And I knew when I started that role, there were a couple of things I really wanted to focus on. Um, one of them was that we needed to, I think, begin to change the conversation or, or you might say change the narrative around bivocational church planting. And to get at that, uh, I felt like there were a couple of things we needed to do. Um, One of them, I think, is that we really, as a church planting network and as the North American Mission Board, 
we needed to find every way possible to champion the benefits of bivocational church planting. So that, that's a big piece. And then I'm going to come back to that. And then the second big piece, I think, is we really actually needed to change the language. Yeah. So, Dave, you already used the language of co-vocation. I, I actually think that will help us change the narrative or change the conversation when we actually begin to change the language. So um, let's come back to that. I just, I just want to mention, because one of the things that I've discovered over the last really year and a half, almost two years, uh, meeting with, talking about, and talking with really dozens and dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of bivocational church planting, planters around the country, um, is unfortunately too many of them kind of feel like, um, I don't know the best way to say it, almost like second class citizens yeah. as it relates to church planting. That they kind of hear these whispers, even if someone doesn't <laughs> say it verbally, and sometimes they say it verbally, but they hear these whispers, you know, about when are you going to get a, a full time church or when, when are you going to, you know, pastor a, a big enough church that can support you, or there's just all these misunderstandings and misconceptions uh, around uh, bivocational planters. So I think one of the ways to resolve that tension and that misunderstanding or that caricature is to talk about the benefits, because I actually think there are so many wonderful, beautiful benefits of planting a church as a bivocational planter uh, that it can really begin to change the conversation and it can encourage planters. I mean, I tell you, it's crazy when I've gone around and kind of spoken on this topic, it, you don't have to say a whole lot to be a, a great encouragement to a Bible planter <laughs> yeah. um, because yeah. they just don't get encouraged enough. So yeah. let me just, let me share with you just kind of three, there's a lot of benefits, but I like to kind of frame the benefits around three little words or phrases. And I think I'll, there's a lot that falls underneath each of these little words or phrases and we can come back to them if you want to. But the first one I just call missional engagement. So what I mean by that is the fact that we live in an increasing missionary context, that a bivocational church planter has access to a mission field that a fully funded guy, we just have to be honest, yeah. doesn't. Yep. A fully funded church planter. And I, I, I'm real careful not to kind of pit one against the other, but a fully funded church planter uh, is normally spending the vast majority of time talking about church stuff with church people. So a bivocational planter, when they are working in the marketplace, they have access to a mission field that's, that's just wonderful that otherwise they, they wouldn't have. But then also another little piece, and there's lots of pieces of this kind of missionary engagement or missional engagement benefit, but I also think it helps to blow up the sacred secular divide around vocation. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, the three of us, we've talked about this before, but there's a very unhealthy and unhelpful dualistic view in the Christian in Christian circles we have about vocation, that some vocations are secular and some vocations are sacred. So that that you're only in full time ministry if you work for the church or you work for a nonprofit, and it's just not biblical and it's not helpful at all. So part of it, I think, is a bivocational church planter can model for those in his church uh, that all all callings are sacred. Uh, so it kind of helps to blow up that sacred secular divide. So, and I actually, the other little piece of this, I think, is I think uh, it also gives the church planter enormous street cred. Yes. Both inside the church and outside the church. Yeah. I mean, inside the church, the people see that, hey, this church planter or pastor, he has a job in the marketplace just like I do. So it gives yes. him street cred. But I think even more important than that, it gives him street cred with people outside the church. Yep. 
And yep. so in, in a context that we live where at best people are skeptical of the church and at worst they're hostile, to be able to lead in a conversation what you do vocationally in the marketplace is so much better than saying, I'm a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Or we've moved to town to plant a church. Right. There, there are people outside the church that that makes no sense whatsoever yep. to them. Yep. So there's just a slew of wonderful benefits kind of wrapped up in that missional engagement piece. Um, so that's just one. I mean, if yeah. we can all be talking about the benefits kind of as, you know, missiologically or as a missionary to planting bivocationally as, you, as you're living out, you know, at least parts of your life in the marketplace, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. let me just say the other ones real quick and then let's just pause a minute. Maybe talk about that. The, the second benefit though, is what I call financial stability. So there's enormous benefits as it relates to finances. There's enormous benefit as it relates to finances for the church planter. So what I mean by that is when the primary financial support comes from the marketplace, uh, there's just less financial strain on the family. Yeah. So, you know, that planter doesn't have to have a whole bunch of like side hustles to try to make ends meet. And it's especially true if there's benefits with that calling, you know, or with that, that job in the marketplace, if there's a vacation and an annuity or especially insurance. insurance, exactly huge. So I think there's a huge financial stability benefit for the planter. Secondly, I think there's a huge benefit for the, for the church plant. So, I mean, just imagine when the primary support is not coming from the church plan, it's coming from the marketplace. Think of all the resources that are available for mission and ministry for that church plant. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is I think there's a benefit for the church planning entity. So it doesn't matter, you know, if it's a local association or a state convention or the North American Mission Board, whatever it might be, we know we simply do not have enough money to plan all the churches that we need to plant. And the yeah. only, only possible way we're going to see a church planting movement is it's going to have to be a movement with bivocational church planters. And we also know there's cities that are just too expensive to fund a guy to go there and plant. And we also know there's people groups where that church plants would never, ever be sustainable. You know, yeah. immigration, different, you know, immigrant groups, different, yeah. just, you know, pockets of where there's real, uh, intense kind of poverty issues. Uh, the only way we're getting at that is, is with bivocational planters. So there's missionary engagement benefit, financial stability benefit. And the last one, I just call it shared leadership. So I think all of us believe and know the best way to plant a church is with a team. But I think in a bivocational setting, um, out of necessity, it forces us to plant with a team. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, in a there's a benefit bivocationally because there there's no you know it kind of the other thing it does it kind of blows up the clergy laity divide. So it helps people see that the only way this is going to work is if the whole body of Christ is activated. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of you know there's a necessity for this shared leadership, this mutual leadership. Um, so I just think part of changing the conversation is is we all need to be talking about and championing the benefits, and I think it'll encourage guys and i think it'll actually help to like crack open the imagination of people to say oh, i didn't even know that was an option you know right. i didn't have to be a school teacher and plan a church at the same time so yeah. i think talking about the benefits will encourage the current bivocational church planters but also i think it can kind of you know raise up a brand new group of people that that hadn't considered it beforehand yeah you know, and I think that out of all the three that you mentioned, I think the shared leadership piece is probably the one that's been the toughest 
for most of our guys to, to wrestle with because they have one paradigm for what church leadership looks like. And, and, and we have these conversations and I, you know, we've talked about this, you know, a million times on the podcast, you know, we're APES guys, you know, we want the, the whole body engaged and, and the whole body has, you know, particular giftings to equip and, and encourage and, and, you know, send the church out on mission. And so how to release those, you know, giftings is, is important. But I'll tell you, it's just fascinating how many of these guys carry the weight and expectation of a full-time single staff leader and don't know how to share leadership in such a way to justify their existence. It's, it's fascinating. That's the hardest piece I found in yeah, that and the family rhythms. But. Yeah, and I agree with you, Dave, that I think a, a really good place to start that conversation is around APEST. Yeah. Um, because, you know, first of all, we need to do is help guys see how are they gifted. Right. Are they a shepherd? Are they a teacher? In a lot of cases, they're going to be more apostolic, especially Bible guys. So if they are, then we need to help them see that they need to bring on their team that shepherd and that teacher, yeah. uh, that evangelist. So, yeah. There's, and then the other thing, and we've talked about this before, too, but um, w- they have to have an imagination to, to plant a church differently. Yeah. They can't plant a church like they see on the corner down the street while they're, yeah. while they're working 30 or 40 hours a week. It's just it's not going to work. We need to kind of give them a new imagination for what it what the what it the church actually is the nature and essence of the church. But then we need to give them a new imagination about how to go about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've got guys who a lot of them, not all of them for sure, but a lot of them grew up in a uh, church setting where this whole one leader kind of does most of the stuff that's been modeled for them. Number one. Number two, they go to seminary or get some type of education, and that's what's been kind of taught them, taught yeah, to them, been educated in that, reinforced yeah, what they've yeah. Dave, yeah. And so now they go out to plant, you know, and what are they going to do? What they're going to do? What they've grown up, what they've seen, what they've been educated to do, and so yeah, it's a uh, it's an issue. Um, Brad, I I got a question. If if you want to keep, do you want to go with that a little bit more? Okay. Um, because I, I, I think this is part of what we talked about kind of beforehand. How do you, I don't want to jump away from a topic if we're in it, but how do you get guys on the trajectory of Covo earlier? You know, like um, in the maybe high school, college age. And then what would you tell a guy? Cause here's my, here's, here's what I think about my situation. <laughs> I'm like exactly between college and retirement pretty much <laughs> i'm like 37 38 so i'm like 18 years from college 20 years from college and about 18 to 20 years to retirement <laughs> give or take right yeah How, what would you say to like a guy like me who's got a bible degree seminary degree so can you kind of maybe talk around around that whole thing about how to get into bivo covo kind of early middle late is that part of this conversation that would be helpful? Well, yeah. So the part that I focus most attention on, though, is probably trying to infuse this conversation as early as possible. So there's no hope for guys like well, me. Well, no, no. <laughs> well, not for guys like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you, Chad. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the first thing we have to do is try to infuse this whole conversation as early on as possible. So, yeah. Uh, it, you know, and what's really 
cool is this is happening in collegiate circles like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots and lots mm. of wonderful conversations that are happening in churches that are planning collegiate church, you know, uh, church, there's collegiate church plants. Yeah, it's happening a lot. And I think early on part of the conversation, it has to go back to what we talked about earlier, uh, that whole sacred secular divider around vocation is we have to uh, help people see that regardless of what their primary calling is, um, we need to help them see how it fits into the mission of God. It just has to start there. Um, and, and again, we, and we've already mentioned this, but this dualistic view in a lot of different areas of Christian life, but the dualistic view as it relates to vocation, I just think is extremely harmful. Um, so that, I think that's the, that's kind of like the cornerstone of this conversation early on is to help people see that God's wired them and gifted them for a certain calling. And it's a sacred calling. It's not a secular vocation, but it's actually a sacred calling. We need to help them see how does that calling fit into the mission of God? And then as it relates to starting something, we need to give them a kind of a new imagination for the nature and essence of the church. And then what would it look like to start something? So, you know, a conversation I have a lot is that we, we can't start with the Sunday, the Sunday worship service. Right. We can't, you know, and, and again, the three of us have had these conversations before, but we just simply cannot start with ecclesiology. Um, that we need to start with Christology, or, or some people might say we need to start with Trinitarian theology. I'm fine with either of those. But we, but we need to let our mission, which in, in this conversation has to do with our vocation in the marketplace, we, we need to allow mission to inform our ecclesiology. So when we do that, we, it, it will help us have a longer runway. Um, it, it, so everything doesn't happen, have to happen overnight. And everything's not about the Sunday morning worship service. And mm -hmm. now we'll, we'll gather because we're a gathered people. Yeah. But it really, uh, we've got to give guys a different imagination for church planting. And that, that imagination can't start with a Sunday morning worship service. Yeah. Um, and then Chad to go back then about, you know, those of us that are older, you know, um, I still think there are things that we can do. I mean, we, we can still start things. I mean, um, I, I'm convinced even as it relates to where we do life, you know, in our neighborhoods and, and through your vocation, whatever it might be. And in social spaces that we can still think like a missionary and there's a little phrase that, that we use a lot of times called missionary flow that as we engage in God's mission, there are things we can do to begin to cultivate community uh, that leads towards a church plant. Um, and, and that can happen regardless of what our calling is it, uh, or regardless of kind of what our primary occupation is. So I, I would just say definitely there's still hope. Um, <laughs> Except you know, for those, Yeah. For those of us that are a little bit older, um, but, it, but we absolutely have to infuse the conversation conversation as early as possible. And it's, I wish we could see it happening in our institutions. I mean, like you said, Chad, there it's being re this, this model that is, you know, one leader kind of thing is being taught and reinforced almost everywhere. I mean, almost in all of the church planning training that we do, you know, in all of our Bible colleges and seminaries, you know, lots of different denominational, not just, not our denomination, but I mean, denominations wide, it's all about that key lead leader. Um, and I, you know, I think we would all argue that's not biblical and it, and it certainly isn't helpful, but we've got to focus on, on teams.
Well, and I, and I think we've got to have a conversation about redefining that worship gathering. Okay. We, we gather, what does that look like? Okay. How do I, how do I still have time to preach? <laughs> you know, I hear that question a lot. I, I'm, I'm working Bible. I don't have enough time to prepare sermons. Like, okay, you've got to redefine that gathering and, right. and, and it can't be centered around your preaching. Uh, you know, Neil Cole said when, you know, he was on that he went from 30 hours to three hours and his preaching got better. Uh, I think a lot of our guys would benefit from that shift as well. But just even the even the worship piece, uh, you know, I've got other guys that I can't find a worship leader. Um, okay, we got to redefine that gathering. And right. reimagine even what we mean by worship, right? Yeah, goodness. And it's just we're having these conversations ad nauseum. You know, and here at the ABSC, we, we, you know, Warren Gazaway, who's our student, uh, uh, you know, leader for, for the state, can't find enough student pastors. You know, our worship guy, Larry Grayson, can't find enough worship leaders. I mean, there's just, there's not enough people available because we're trying to carry on this one particular style of gathering that mandates we have these pieces that do these things and we can't imagine anything different and i'm telling you i've had so many conversations over the last two weeks it's just there's 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 no imagination in the church anymore i think well that's why that's got to be a piece of it we have to we have to give guys a new imagination for the nature and essence of the church and then and then the functions of that Um, and even like what you just said i mean even even a church planter if there he has a high priority of preaching uh, if you focus on apes and you focus on team uh, involvement in planting, there ought to be multiple people on your team that could speak on a Sunday morning. Yes. Yeah. Share that load. People up, you know, to to be engaged their particular gifting. So, um, yeah. So I think the solution is multifaceted. There isn't just kind of one silver bullet, but, um, but we've got, we've got to get at all of those different things. And and a, a big piece of it is kind of a new imagination. Yeah, yeah. Our um, our paradigm stabilizers are well fixed to our heads, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, again, we've talked about this multiple times, but that's why I am absolutely convinced it has to start with paradigm shifts. Um, yeah. You know, most most everyone's you know, if you've been church for a very long time, we know that those assumptions about church and mission and and then specific things like preaching are so deeply held that we need some time to. Um, you know, to kind of dig up those deeply held assumptions and, and try to have some paradigm shifts to have a new imagination. Yeah. And you've just released an ebook with Nam, kind of helping um, shift in some of those paradigms. Uh, books called Rethink, right? Yeah. So that is just a free download ebook called Rethink, and it's subtitled Nine Key Paradigm Shifts for Activating the Church. That I just, you know, I think there's actually a dozen of these kind of key paradigm shifts, but I kind of took nine that. Uh, that I don't know, I think are probably the most important and just put it in an ebook that anyone can download. It's about a hundred pages. The whole ebook is. And I just think uh, for the, for the, the reason I did that separate from another resource that we'll have coming out in a couple of weeks is I think the paradigm shifts is where we need to start for church planters to kind of give them a new imagination. But I also think this is applicable for existing congregations that just know they have to do something different. They just know, you know, what, what they do just doesn't work anymore. You know, they're plateaued or in decline. And, you know, all they know is to kind of reach out for the latest new program 
that I want to say, no, stop doing that. Let's go back and actually uh, discern, have, 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 we, have we gotten off track somewhere? So that's why I did the paradigm shifts in a separate little ebook is because I, I, I think it's applicable for both church planters yeah. and different churches. Yeah. Where do where do we get that? Where do guys get that if they want to download that? Yeah. So if you just really if you just e if you just uh, Googled rethink ebook, the very first thing that'll come up is the uh, is the landing page on the NAM website where you can download the book for free. Yeah. Right. This rethink ebook. And you've got another one coming out uh, in print form. Uh, what would you say a month, something like that? Yeah. So I think probably about six weeks, I think we'll probably, um, late August or early September. So that is, well, we're just going to print that. It'll, it'll be a couple hundred pages, but it's called co-vocational church planting. Yeah. And then the subtitle is aligning your marketplace calling with the mission of God. Yeah. So it's really about a little, uh, it's a little bit about, rethinking bivocational church planning and introducing this language of co-vocation. But then it's most of the book, probably 90% of the book, it's just giving guys kind of that imagination or, or, or almost kind of giving them a framework to think differently about church planting. Mm-hmm. And then I hope giving them a little bit of a roadmap. So, I mean, I, I put the chapters in a book in the book in a very, very pur- purposeful order. So they kind of see, hey, now maybe there, there's actually a roadmap, al- almost a step-by-step of how to go at this from a bivocational or co-vocational perspective. So, so for a guy, like there are a few guys I'm having conversations right now. One is a pediatrician. Uh, another is a finance guy, insurance guy who, I mean, no, you know, call to ministry, surrender to ministry kind of thing, very actively engaged both in mission and ministry in their church and outside the church, leading small groups, things like this. Uh, for, for guys like that, how, how do we get them to see themselves and think of, you know, their, their current path in life? Okay. I'm a, you know, if you're a pediatrician, you spend a lot of time in school and you have this incredible vocation that that's a calling in and of itself. Uh, how, what, what were some things you would tell them to bring alignment with their vocation and mission and maybe even take their mission a step further than what they've done, you know, maybe into some kind of planting something new? What were some keys there that you would? Well, so the first thing is, um, again, language. Some of it has to do with vocation language that we've already talked about. But the other, and tell me, David, this kind of gets to it, is I, you know, I said earlier when we first started that I felt like we needed to change the narrative or change the conversation around BIVO. Yes. And one of the ways to talk about the benefits. Yes. The second way to change it, though, is actually to change the language. Right. So here's what I mean by that. So again, we've, we've used the language of co-vocation. We haven't really defined it. Um, so let me say it like this. So let, let's think about bivocational church planner first. For me, uh, a bivocational church planner is someone that has a second job to supplement the salary the church is providing yes now historically we've used the language of tent maker which is you know how apostle paul's trade was described mm-hmm. in acts 18 um and tent maker was kind of a type of church planter well typically a bivocational planter is someone who has a marketplace job but they view that job as somewhat temporary so in other words their hope or their dream or their aspiration is that the, the church that they've started will eventually be in a position to provide the financial support for the planter. So they'll leave their BIVO job in the marketplace and go full time with the church. Right. Now 
I, I mean, that's still legitimate. I mean, that's still, I mean, that's biblical. Like I said, you know, <laughs> we describe Paul as the tent maker uh, from that passage in Acts. Um, but where I think we need to use this new language of co-vocation is I think, unfortunately, that language of bivocational actually gets in the way of us accomplishing what we want to see accomplished. And here's a lot of times the way I'll describe that. When, you know, have you ever heard the word bifurcate? Yes. To bifurcate means to take one thing and divide it into two parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, unfortunately, we do that in our minds a lot of time when we think about bivocational ministry or bivocational church planters. Yeah. In other words, a planter will, will do this job over here so they can do ministry over here. And they bifurcate those callings and, and they, they don't see any synergy there. Well, the reason I like the language of co-vocation is that little prefix co comes from the Latin prefix com, which you can tell what it means. It, it, it means to have in common. So think of words like co-author or co-laborer or co-pilot. It's about bringing two things together. It's about equality. So with the language of covo, here, here's, here's kind of that nuance for me is a covo planter is someone that has a clear and definite calling in the marketplace that they never, ever intend to leave. Right. They know God's called them to be a teacher or a mechanic or a web designer or a business owner or a doctor, but they also know that God's called them to start something. So I still use the language, both bivocational and covo or co-vocational, but here's my hope. Um, I hope as we champion the benefits of bivocational planting, as we champion bivocational planters, and as we begin to change the conversation, we'll actually have more bivocational planters who thought they were going to leave their job in the marketplace when the church could support them. They'll actually get to the point to where they feel so encouraged and we're championing them as the heroes in church planting. And they begin to see the benefits and they decide to stay in the marketplace, even if they could be fully funded by this church they decide to stay there because they see all the benefits, especially, you know, as we talked about earlier, kind of access to a mission field they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. So I think part of it is changing that conversation and helping church planters, uh, well, helping people that have full-time callings in the marketplace see that for heaven's sake, please never leave that calling. I mean, God's gifted you to be a web designer. God's gifted you to be a doctor. Uh, God's gifted you to be a teacher in the high school. Stay there but then let us help you rethink what it looks like to plant a church. Um, so again, it goes back to helping them have more of a kind of a simple perspective on what it looks like to plant churches. I mean, can you imagine the hundreds and thousands of people sitting in congregations all around the country um, that if we could give them a bit of a roadmap of starting something in their neighborhood or in their yeah. workplace, um, I mean, we would have potential planters coming out of the woodwork <laughs> you know, that they would see themselves as co-vocational church plant, church planters. Uh, I just think that's the only way we're going to get at all of this. Yeah. Um, so again, I think part of changing the narrative is, is changing the conversations. That's, that's what we mean by covo. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll have both bivo and covo. Um, and I think both are very necessary and, and of course very legitimate. Um, but I, I hope that, the real movement that we'll see in the future is with kind of an army of co-vocational planters. You know, and, there, and there's really kind of an elevation of both 
those who have been in ministry that are now in the marketplace and saying that, hey, you have not just something to offer the church, but you have something to offer the marketplace and an elevation of those in the marketplace to say, hey, you have something to offer the church, uh, the kingdom. And so there's, if we can get that language that this is an elevation in your new alignment rather than a demotion, because uh, I mean, and nobody says it's a demotion, but they feel that, you know, usually oh, the second class is, you, they feel that. You are right on, Dave. Uh, yeah, it's not just, it, yeah, I like what you said, elevation of their calling in the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that people don't see how meaningful and necessary their calling is in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I said all the time, a little phrase that I'll use is I'll say, there's too many people that leave the house on Monday morning and they somehow think they leave God behind. Yeah. I mean, we need to help them see that they're not just a florist. They're not, not just a mechanic. They're not, I mean, it, what they, what they're doing is for the common good of the world it's the common good of people if we we just need to help them see how does that align into the mission of god and this whole crazy language we have a full-time ministry is so messed up right yeah, yeah. you know people yeah. say oh i wish i could be full-time ministry like you are i want to say look i don't care what god's called you to do you are in full-time ministry yeah but yeah. as church leaders we need to help them see that and then we need to equip them towards that so we need to equip them not just to fill slots of, you know, in the church, but we need to equip them to see what's God called them to do where he has sent them into the marketplace. Yeah. So yeah. again, just the potential there is yeah. just enormous. Um, yeah. And let me just say one last thing so I don't forget. So in, in light of all that that we've just talked about, I think for me, and this is a little bit, uh, you know, ideological, it's a little idealistic, <laughs> Yeah. But I think the perfect case scenario for me in the future for church planting would be that you've got a co-vocational couple along with another couple or two or two or three singles that all have primary callings in the marketplace, but they all say, look, yeah, I'm called in the marketplace to do this, but I can give eight or 10 or 12 hours a week towards a church plant. Think if you had two or three singles and two or three couples that would come together and commit to that, can you imagine the resources they would have available? Can you imagine the relational capital that they would have with all of their relational connections with all of them in the marketplace? I mean, I just, again, a little idealistic, but that would be my perfect case scenario in the future is that we would have teams of couples and singles that have primary callings in the marketplace that have committed to plant a church together as a co-vocational team. Yeah. Um, I just see that, you know, the, the missionary benefits of that, the financial stability benefits of that, the shared leadership benefits of that would just be phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a church in our neighborhood, uh, shout out to the city church Sherwood where the entire leadership are all, you know, have vocations. They all, either were leading businesses or, you know, in the marketplace before they started and they've continued to do that. And uh, it's just been incredible to watch those guys. And they've had challenges, you know, along the way, obviously, you know, with rhythms and balance and everything, but they're sharing preaching, they're sharing, you know, leadership, sharing ministry, and have really established an incredible sense of community among the church because everybody's playing. I mean, everybody's in the game. And, uh, I just, uh, and they're, and they're incredible leaders anyway. 
Um, and so it's going to be fun to watch them as they progress and this thing grows. They, they run about in their weekly gatherings, they run about a hundred uh, right now, but in their community groups, their missional communities, they're over that because uh, that's where they started. And uh, it's just a different rhythm and a different look. And, and they've gotten creative on how to, how to do this. And I, I'm really excited about the potential there for more like that. Yeah. Very cool. And so, uh, well, man, this is great. Chad, you got anything? Else? I mean, we could talk all day long about <laughs> yeah, all th- this stuff. I mean, this is, Brad, this is so good. I appreciate I mean, we've been wanting to have you on to have this conversation again uh, for some time. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, just, just from my perspective, I think it was really important, even though maybe I've known this, uh, but not fully till you really said it. I think I've seen Bivo and Covo of kind of changing just language. But when you kind of laid out Bivo and Covo as really they're, they're two separate things, both good, both valid, but they're really not the same thing. That helped me a lot. I think that's going to help a lot of guys. I think it's going to help a lot of people as they're thinking through, you know, I think about even with marketplace, not just getting people to think about this early, but maybe a guy who's been a deacon for 10 years or a Sunday school teacher for 10 years, who's also a pediatrician who's thinking God's called me to more than just teaching Sunday school and maybe something like this ignites him to think about planting with a team or something. So I think, man, designating Bivo and how important it is and good, but then Covo and how much it's needed. That was a really, really good, uh, helpful uh, distinction you made. So the whole conversation, just appreciate you, Brad, and, and the work you're doing. Well, thanks. And yeah, I just agree with you 100%, Chad, about the Covo. I mean, that if we're really, truly going to see a church planning movement of any sort, it's going to have to be made up significantly with uh, co-vocational church planters yeah. um, that are in the marketplace on multiple levels. So um, I'm actually, I'm very, very encouraged about the future. And also, I'm just very encouraged, even at just the North American Mission Board, uh, the conversations. I mean, just this week, we've been working on retooling uh, a significant part of the training that we do for planters. And I'm telling you, all of it leans towards Bivo Covo. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because we realize, you know, it's not just the future, it's actually the present. And yeah. we need to create as many resources and uh, ways to encourage and, and equip uh, guys to think differently and then give them tools to actually, you know, plant churches differently. Yeah. Yeah. And Brad, I'll, I'll say this too. I think, Covo's so important now as well because in Bivo too, the, the, because I think the pipeline of planters, the low hanging fruit, it's just gone. You know, I, I saw it read an Acts 29 article about a year ago that said the seminary educated guy with at least 10 years experience, they've all planted <laughs> yeah. if they're going to, or they're in an existing church, but they're not, they're not waiting around to plant. So I think you see that kind of fleshed out like with Nam coming out with the pipeline, trying to get into the local church to try to get planters raised up through the local church because the pipeline is shrinking in a sense. Yep. And so I think Covo and Bivo is maybe the way or one of the ways, but maybe even the premier way or the, the preferred way to kind of get that pipeline reestablished. And I don't know without it, 
you're right. There's not really a movement. Nope. Not a chance. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm very, very encouraged that that conversation has, uh, you know, really begun to change and it, and it's affecting the way we think and train and it's going to affect the way we assess and coach and every aspect of, of church planting. And I see it happening. I mean, it's, we still have a, a significant way to go, but it's uh, all of that is, is beginning to change. So I'm excited about it. Cool. Well, you got any, any final word, any final encouragement uh, to our listeners out there, all these planters that are toiling away uh, before we, before we. Well, the only thing I would, uh, the only thing I would add is if you have any opportunity, you know, we talked about champion the benefits of bivocational and co-vocational planting. I would say if you ever, ever have an opportunity to champion bivocational or co-vocational planters, please do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, please tell them that in your book, they're, they're the heroes of church planting. Absolutely. Uh, tell their story. I mean, if, if you hear about a bivocational guy that's planting, uh, tell their story because what will happen when you tell their story, it's going to encourage them. But my hope is it would crack open the imagination of another school teacher or another bus driver or another mechanic or another dentist to say, I didn't even know that was an option. Yeah. And they'll begin to think about and, and pursue the, the, the possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, thanks so much again. And yeah. uh, always great to, to chat and visit. I always walk away feeling smarter after having been spent time with you. <laughs> Whether it's conversations about mission or music or you know learning about bands called trampled by turtles or you know so <laughs> always good always good all right always folks. Good time with you guys. yeah we gotta get you back to arkansas and, and working on that uh for november uh by the way which yep. you and lance and right. i need to talk about that so okay coming up good. all right thanks guys for listening we'll catch you next time on the grind